The month of Ramadan has passed us and today we formally recommence the tarbiyah programs that used to take place last year. May Allah Ta'ala make it a means of my tarbiyat and the tarbiyat of one and all that listen, I am most in need of what is discussed and may Allah wa Ta'ala make it a means of gaining his proximity, gaining his nearness so this is the recommencing of this Tarbiya program and therefore at such an occasion it is very important and very good to revise the most fundamental lesson. The most fundamental lesson is the lesson of intention. We have discussed this previously and we have heard it over and over again and this is something we have to keep discussing over and over again in order to keep this lesson fresh in our minds and to help us to be focused in terms of our intention and to keep progressing with regards to the aspect of the correct intention the aspect of ikhlas and sincerity in intention there is no point where a person can come to and say that I have reached the peak. In fact, the person that claims ikhlas, there's already a major question, question mark about his ikhlas. Who can claim that they have acquired any ikhlas? But we have to continue trying, we have to continue striving, and we have to continue making an effort to acquire this wealth of ikhlas, this wealth of sincerity, and keep correcting and rectifying our intention. The intention is such a major thing, such a fundamental thing. In the Quran Sharif we find that the impact of this intention is explained. Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala commands Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa وَاصْبِرْ نَفْسَكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيِّ يُرِيدُونَ وَجْهَهُ وَلَا تَعْدُ عَيْنَاكَ عَنْهُمْ In Surah Al-Kahf, which we should be reciting every Friday, the great virtues of Surah Al-Kahf, we have heard before, the one virtue that Allah Taala grants, the person who recites Surah Al-Kahf on a Friday is such a nur, which extends from the earth right up to the skies. And this will remain with the person up to the next Friday. So such a great virtue, such a great fazilat, we should be making every effort to acquire this. And nur, nur is light. In light, a person can see what will harm him, what will benefit him. In darkness, a person doesn't know what he is doing, where he is stepping, whether he is falling into a 
going to step into a well and fall and kill himself, or whether he's going to be stepping on firm ground and be able to walk forward. But in light, a person can see all this. So likewise, when the nur comes from Allah Taala's side, then a person is guided towards that which will benefit him and will be saved from that which will harm him. Otherwise, in darkness, a person will grab with both hands those things that will destroy a person's deen and dunya. So in any case, we should be making an effort to recite Surah Al-Kahf every Friday and attain the great virtues. This is only one virtue that we mentioned. There are many other virtues as well, which we have heard over time. So in any case, this ayat of the Quran Sharif is in Surah Al-Kahf. And every Friday when we recite it, and we'll come across this ayat, then it should, inshallah, refresh this lesson that we are discussing today. That Allah Allah's Nabi is being told, you remain firmly with those who call unto Allah Taala morning and evening. Now, there are various incidents that are mentioned regarding the occasion when this ayat was revealed. One incident that is mentioned in the kitabs of tafsir is that Oyena bin Hisan Fazari, who was one of the leaders of Makkah, he once came and when he came to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Hazrat Salman Farsi radiallahu ta'ala who was there, few other sahaba also all very poor, they didn't have any uh, or didn't have sufficient clothing to cover themselves entirely, just the bare necessity was what was available, the clothes was tattered also, and they were in a very poor condition. And they were, after all, very poor people in terms of the material possessions of this world. So Aina bin Hisan Fazari, who was one of the leaders of the Quraysh, he saw this and he said to Nabi Wasallam that this is the reason why we can't come to you. Because all these people are with you, so how can we come? Maybe if you move these people out from your company, then we would be able to come and we would be able to then hear what you are saying and perhaps you may accept it. So out of the desire for the iman of one and all, Nabi Wasallam, this thought crossed the mind that maybe this might be an idea that just for a short while, to ask these Sahaba to just excuse the gathering, so that meaning at some time that these people could come, and if they accept, Alhamdulillah, and these people are already iman is firmly in their hearts, it won't even occur to them that anything uh, that they were treated in any negative way. They are themselves desiring that others should accept Islam. If this will bring these leaders of the Quraysh well and good. But immediately this ayat was revealed that these people who are calling unto Allah Ta'ala day and night, don't ever move them away from your presence and your company. They are deserving of this fully. Others want to come, they must come. If others want to come and join while these people are around, it's up to them. They must come. Otherwise they'll be depriving themselves. But don't move these people away. Now such a tremendous virtue on behalf of these people, these poor sahaba. But the lesson that we need to take today is that Allah wa ta'ala is saying to Nabi Islam, you remain with these people. In other words, the Nabi of Allah ta'ala is being told, you remain with them. Why? Because they are 
immersed in the remembrance of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala day and night, in the obedience of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, in serving the cause of the of the deen of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, day and night they are engaged in this, but the very basic ingredient in all this is Yuriduna Wajha. Yuriduna Wajha, those with little bit of familiarity with Arabic as well, they would understand Yuridun comes from Arada. Arada Yuridu. And the Mazdar is Irada. Irada means intention. So the Yuridun is intention. That their intention is solely the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. They have no other motive. They are not interested in anything else but the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. Not that they want to promote themselves in any way. I did this or I did that or I scored some points here or I scored some points there. They don't have any such idea, any such thought in their minds. They don't want to promote their personal selves in any way. They don't want to gain any recognition from anybody in any way. They are not even interested in anybody's acknowledgement. If somebody doesn't acknowledge them also, they are not interested in that. It doesn't matter to them. For who they did it, Allah Ta'ala is watching. They did it only for Allah Ta'ala. So, what does it matter if anybody acknowledges them or not? If anybody uh, praises them on it or not? If anybody even notices or not? They are not doing it for anybody else. They are doing it solely for Allah Ta'ala. So, this aspect Allah Ta'ala highlights that يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيِّ يُرِيدُونَ وَجْهَ That they are engaged in this obedience of Allah Ta'ala day and night and in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala they are calling out unto Allah Ta'ala morning and evening but they are doing it solely for His pleasure for no other reason يُرِيدُونَ وَجْهَ Their intention and their murad is only Allah Ta'ala So in a way of expression it can be said that because of the impact of their intention, that intention was so sincere, that intention was so pure, it was not mixed up with any other thing. It was purely for Allah wa Ta'ala's sake. That had such an impact, and that was so accepted, and it was so effective, that Allah Ta'ala is giving His beloved Nabi Wasallam the greatest of all creation, Ba'adas Khuda Buzruk Tu'i Qissa Mukhtasar, after Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, the greatest rank is that of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi And that great personality, the greatest of all creation, Allah Ta'ala is commanding him, you be with these people. In other words, just to understand it, the well is being told, you go to the thirsty. The well is being told, that you go to the thirsty. Obviously this well, there is no end to this well. This well is beyond our imagination. And the thirst and the talab of the sahaba kiram with this ikhlas, with this sincerity, Allah's Nabi Islam is being told, you be with them. You remain with them. You keep them with you. Don't send them anywhere. You don't remove them from your gathering. Now this is the lesson of ikhlas. This is the lesson of sincerity. That whatever be done, be done solely for Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. There is no other motive. We are coming to study deen. We are coming to study for Allah ta'ala's sake. There is no other motive. No other reason. Not that because we had nothing else to do in life. Not that because, well, uh, maybe some friend of ours well came, so now we thought, okay, let us just come also. Perhaps maybe at some point in time, maybe some other motivation might have played its part. 
some other intention might have crept in at some point in time. But this is what ikhlas is all about. Tashihe niyat. Continuously rectifying the intention. If something started off on some other note, well, okay, that is past now. Now we recheck our intention. And we re-look deep down into our hearts. And reflect and ponder. And then re-intend what we have come for. And make the correct intention. We are doing anything. We are coming to study deen. That is obvious. Well, we are engaged in a madrasa. So we have to have our intention correct. But it is not restricted to this. Anything and everything that a person does, this has to be solely for the pleasure of Allah. Wa ta'ala. And especially, especially, especially the aspects of deen. When a person is engaged in any work of deen, then we have to double check and triple check our intentions. And after the, everything is done, to still make istighfar. The reason being that when something of deen is done, Allah forbid with the wrong intention, then this is the worst thing that a person can do. And in the Hadith Sharif, this has been explained, where the Nabi Wasallam gives the example or mentions about the three people who did great deeni amal. The one person, he learnt deen and then taught deen. And gave bayans and discourses, taught people, ran classes for people to learn deen, whatever other forms of khidmat of deen. But the intention was corrupted. There was that desire for promoting one's personal self. There was that desire for acknowledgement from people so that one could be recognized. There was that desire that I could be regarded as somebody who has done something. The bottom line meaning the desire for name and fame, for praise. Then the other person spent in the path of Allah Ta'ala, in causes of deen, in charitable works and spent with an open heart and in huge amounts. And the third person gave the ultimate sacrifice. He sacrificed his life and became a shaheed in the path of Allah Ta'ala. And on the day of Qiyamah, all these three people will be called, and they will be asked, what did you do with the life we gave you, with the wealth we gave you, with the knowledge we gave you? And each one will say, I did this, I taught deen, I gave my life for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, I spent my money in the path of Allah Ta'ala. But these will be the people who had done it for the wrong intentions. Allah Ta'ala save us, Allah Ta'ala save us. And we could never ever regard ourselves as immune from these kind of uh, ailments that creep in a person. Always regard ourselves as blameworthy. Always regard ourselves as deficient. And keep making istighfar. Keep begging Allah Ta'ala for that ikhlas. Keep regarding ourselves as extremely weak. And that we have reached nowhere yet. We haven't even achieved 1% of the ikhlas that is required. We haven't achieve, achieved a fraction of it. And keep begging Allah Ta'ala. And keep making an effort. And keep regarding ourselves as still very, very, very deficient. Then maybe, with the help of Allah wa Ta'ala and His Fazl and Grace, we might just get somewhere inshallah. So, the point was that these three people will be called on the day of Qiyamah. And they will be asked and they will give these answers. Allah Ta'ala will say, Allah Ta'ala save us, Allah Ta'ala save us from such a situation. Allah Ta'ala will say that you are lying. You are lying, you didn't do this for my pleasure, you did it so that people could say that you are a martyr, 
people could say you are a very generous person or you are a very knowledgeable person and all these kinds of things. You uh, had these intentions. So now everything is gone. Go and take your reward from the people for who you did it. For those whose praise you were waiting for. For those whose acknowledgement you were desirous of. For those who you wanted to score points with. Go and take your rewards from them. Here there is nothing. And Allah Ta'ala forbid, these people, Nabi Salaam says, will then be thrown first in the fire of Jahannam. And the fire of Jahannam will be kindled via these people. Allah Ta'ala protect us, Allah Ta'ala save us. So this is how essential this aspect of ikhlas is. And as mentioned at the beginning, we can never be complacent for one moment and never ever regard ourselves as sincere, but we try to acquire the sincerity. We try to acquire that ikhlas that is necessary, and we keep begging Allah wa ta'ala, we keep making istighfar after every action, we keep regarding ourselves as deficient, this will inshallah keep us moving forward. So this is something that we have to repeatedly reflect upon, repeatedly remind ourselves of the importance of this sincerity. Otherwise, everything will be a waste of time. So, this ikhlas, this fundamental issue, this is the root. This is the root of everything. This is the foundation. If that root is very strong, very deep, very healthy, then the tree that will grow from this root will be likewise. It will be a very healthy tree. And it will grow, keep growing. And this tree will give great benefit. It will give shade to the passerby. It will send its fruit far and wide. It will export its fruit. Those that will come close to it, they will benefit from the shade of it. But then it will bear excellent fruit, export quality fruit. And again when talking about this, One's mind just cannot help but go to those who are right in front of us. And whose fruit are still being, even after the tree has left the dunya, but the fruit is still being enjoyed throughout the world. Hazrat Mawah rahmatullahi and obviously all our kabir, but who was right in our midst, who was right in our presence, who was somebody we saw, somebody we heard. So therefore the example of taking, uh, taking the example of somebody who was, who, especially those sitting in the madrasa, so this should, will inspire us more than anybody else. We are sitting under that roof that was brought, erected by that personality whose, the fruit of whose efforts are being enjoyed throughout the world up to this moment. So where did this come from? That why even after he has gone to Allah wa ta'ala, up to this day, and I'm talking about as recent as two days ago, one young person, youngster, maybe not even 18 years old, and with tears in his eyes, he says to me, my greatest regret is that I didn't take bayat on the hands of Hazrat Mawlana That was a thought, it was a desire that I'll go one day, I'll do this. Now he's 18 now, he was probably even 16 at that time, at that young age, he was desirous of this and it just didn't happen for whatever the reason was. He pro- delayed it, procrastinated or just didn't get the opportunity, whatever the reason was. And with tears in his eyes, a young person of that nature and he's saying, my biggest regret is that I didn't get this in my life, 
that while he was alive, I didn't go and take bayat at his hands. And now the person is still benefiting from Hazrat's kitabs, from Hazrat's talks on CDs, and the fairs and the ulum, the benefit that has spread, people from far and wide, from throughout the world, they are still benefiting. And this is the sign of that maqbuliyat, that after the person has left, that extent of benefit has increased. This is maqbuliyat. This is the acceptance from Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. But where does this come from? This is that very strong and deep root of ikhlas. This is that very, very healthy root of ikhlas that gave rise to such a tree. That in his lifetime also, whoever came in his presence and in his company, their hearts were warmed. Or we may say cooled also, depending on whichever way we want to take the example. It was warmed with the fire of the love of Allah wa Taala, and the heat of the sins and the heat of all the other problems that was all cooled down. But even after he has left, this benefit is still flowing with a very strong force. And people throughout the world are drinking from this fountain. Why? Because of that ikhlas. It doesn't happen in any other way. There were people who outwardly did big, big things in their life and went away. And while they were around, there might have been some little bit of noise about it. And after the person left in a short while, nobody even remembers what happened. Worldly things they did, whatever they did. But we are not here to judge anybody. What we are merely reflecting upon is that those who are still alive after they've gone, by means of their effort, by means of their work, by means of the benefit that is still flowing, where did this come from? This is the lesson that we need to take. This is the inspiration that we need to acquire. That it came from nothing but that ikhlas. And obviously together with that ikhlas, then everything else flows in. The love of Allah wa ta'ala. Because when a person is doing it for Allah ta'ala alone, then the love of Allah ta'ala increases with everything that a person keeps doing. And all the other sifat then come in. But the root of it all is ikhlas. Hazrat Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi what a great kitab he compiled. Up to this day, it is asahul kutubi ba'da kitabillah. The most authentic kitab after the Quran Kareem. And what he starts off his kitab with? The first hadith, innamal a'malu bin niyat. Wa innama limri immanawa. That the person's actions, a person will be judged according to his intention. What was his intention? Why he did something? And we have to keep checking. We have to keep reflecting within ourselves. There are many things that will come around. Many things sometimes shaitan will come in a pious guise. Shaitan will sometimes put some uh, deceptive screen which will be actually in the form of something righteous. But it is a deceptive screen. Lama Rumi Rahmatullah he mentions an incident on one occasion at the time of Tahajjud while he was the Amir at the time of Tahajjud suddenly he is realizing that somebody is shaking his foot and waking him up so he got astounded because obviously the Amir would have some kind of security some kind of guard nobody is allowed to come into the, his own room and where did this person come from so he woke up and he said who are you and why did you come here he said, no, no, I just came to wake you up, it's time for tahajjud. So, he 
He said, but who are you? Why did you come here? Because the person was in human form. So he said, don't worry about me. I am, but the whole world knows me as the most disgraced person. So don't worry about me. He says, no, I'm going to insist. Who are you? So eventually he said, well, this person, they call him Iblis. In other words, a shaitan that came in human form. So Iblis, and Iblis waking me up for tahajjud, this doesn't happen. This can't happen. Iblis and shaitan, whose job is to keep leading everybody astray all the time, when did it, shaitan start waking up somebody for tahajjud? So, our Hazrat Wala Dhan Barakatuhum, when he explained this, on a side note, he said, well, maybe shaitan said, that, you know, well, the old habits sometimes come back also. Old habits are hard to die. I was at one time Azazil, and I was the greatest Abid of the time. So, once in a while, this old habit comes along. He said, no, 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 you are Rajim, you are Mardud. Mardud doesn't get any righteous thought also. Whatever he'll do, he'll be always there's some, something behind it. So tell me what it is. So eventually he explained, he said, yesterday you missed your tahajjud. But when you missed your tahajjud, you cried so much and you regretted it so much, that how did this happen? That what sawab you have, would have got on the tahajjud, you got more than that on that regret and that crying over missing the tahajjud. So I got worried that if you miss your tahajjud today, you might cry even more than yesterday. And you'll get even more sawab than yesterday's tahajjud also. So I decided rather wake you up, you get something lesser than crying over the, missing it and getting more. So outwardly, shaitan was doing a splendid job, was waking up somebody for tahajjud. But he had a different agenda. So many a time, shaitan will bring some things in front of us. Now the person's parents need the khidmat. At that time, the mother requires the help. But she says, well, now I got my some, you see, wazaif to complete. And I got some other ibadat to complete, some nafil namaz. So I'm busy now with that. Whereas the mother requires that khidmat at that time. That khidmat which the mother requires, somebody's mother is ill, somebody is old, they need that khidmat. And now this person is saying, no, I got to finish my ishraq now. I got to finish my awabin now. So that khidmat, well, maybe some other time. So shaitan put the person into the nafil, and what was necessary and a greater ibadat for that moment for that person, shaitan moved that person away from there. Now the intention, intention outwardly was very good. What I'm doing is for Allah Ta'ala, but we forgot at that time what is the priority, which was the greater ibadat of the time. Now just as shaitan comes and deceives a person in this way, likewise shaitan sometimes makes us feel our intention is perfect. We got a dini intention. But in the process, shaitan is taking us away from what is the priority of the time. What is the main thing? And shaitan is making us do something which will give our nafs sometimes some enjoyment. But take us away from that which is the need of the moment. Like the khidmat of that old person was the deen of the moment, but the nafs doesn't enjoy that sometimes. Maybe the person needs to be cleaned. Now the nafs doesn't enjoy this. The nafs feels now, where I'm going to get involved in this? And unfortunately, unfortunately, Allah Ta'ala save us. These are things that are becoming burdens for us. For our own people. Forget some neighbor that might require this help. Forget some distant relative that might require the help. Forget some other person who is a stranger to us in terms of any uh, relationship, but who is a, nevertheless a Muslim, a mu'min. And the person, we know suddenly that this person requires this urgent help. We are able to provide that help. But this has become a burden 
and let alone others, our own parents sometimes, our grandparents become Allah forbid like burdens for us. And we want to engage ourselves in all kinds of other things so that we can avoid making their khidmat. We can avoid being of service to them. This is a very, very tragic situation. And as the Western values are creeping in more, the Western lifestyle is, they say it like this, but they don't have any God in their lives. They say each man for himself and God for all. But it is each man for himself and they don't even have any God in their lives. It is only dunya. So each one for himself, parents for themselves, children for themselves. Every person for themselves. So the parents, whatever they have done, now I am grown up, they must live their life, I will live my life. This is a very tragic thing. And then shaitan sometimes will deceive us in the aspect of intention. That no, you are doing something good also. Whereas what we are doing may be good in itself, but it's not the priority of the time. If a person is starving, he is dying of thirst, what is the priority at that time? To give that person water, to give that person food. Now we have the water, we have the food. We see nobody sawab to give a person Quran Sharif also. So I am going to give this person Quran Sharif. The water, well now, I, can't, I didn't give the water, it's alright. I didn't give the person the food. I have the food and water, but I gave him something. I gave him the Quran Sharif. Now who can say to give somebody the Quran Sharif is not a good thing? To give somebody a Quran Sharif, subhanallah, very great. But what is the need of the moment? What is the priority of the time? The priority of the time is to feed that person. That is the greatest sawab a person will get. Far more than at that moment giving a person Quran Sharif, the sawab is of giving that person the food to save his life. Giving the person that water to quench his thirst. That is the need of the time. And that is where the greatest sawab lies. Hazrat Muhammad Masihullah sahab rahmatullahi he used to explain that deen shok pure karne ka naam nahi hai. Deen shok pura karne ka naam nahi hai. Deen is not fulfilling what we desire. Deen is to fulfill the taqaza of the time. It is salah time, then that is the, that is the need of the time. Or that is the priority. Then a person performs his first salah. If it is that the khidmat is of somebody is compulsory on us, then that's not the taqaza of nafil the time. Then that khidmat of that person is the ibadat of the time. That is the priority. Then a person doesn't now do what one desires. I desire to make tilawat now. So I will make tilawat. And this person is suffering and the person needs my help and I can provide it. But I am doing something good. So that intention is not deen itself. It is our, our desire. This is the delicate path of intention. Our desire is kept in. Whereas what is the need of the time is what we are supposed to be looking at. In the light of deen, in the light of shariat, in the light of the command of Allah wa ta'ala, in the way of life of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What is the need of the time? What is the demand of the occasion? So if that khidmat is the demand of the occasion, then we make the khidmat. And if there is no khidmat at that time that is required of us, then we engage in our nafil, then we engage in our wazaif, we engage in our tilawat, by all means. So this intention is a very, very delicate thing. Sometimes the wrong intention will come in the guise of deen. We have to be alert about that as well. So, we have to always be checking within ourselves. What is my intention? Why am I doing something? Am I doing it solely for Allah wa ta'ala? Is this the correct thing to do at this time? Is this the need of the moment? And to do it for solely for Allah wa ta'ala? For no other purpose. 
I don't desire anybody's praise. Hazrat Maulana Rashid Ahmad Gangui, Rahmatullahi, he had written to Hazrat Maulana Khalil Ahmad Sahanpuri, Rahmatullahi, had written to him, and he had written his halat. And one of the things he wrote, Logo ki madah wa zam barabar ho gayi. Then Alhamdulillah, with the fazl of Allah Ta'ala in your barakat, what has now been achieved is that people's praise and criticism has become the same now. In other words, neither does anybody's praise affect me, and neither does anybody's criticism affect me. I'm only concerned that is Allah Ta'ala happy. Is Allah Ta'ala pleased? Then if Allah Ta'ala is pleased and somebody criticizes me, be it. doesn't matter to me. If Allah Ta'ala is pleased and somebody praises me, it doesn't matter to me. Allah Ta'ala must be pleased. Somebody doesn't praise me, doesn't matter. Somebody doesn't criticize, doesn't matter. Whatever it is, praise or criticize or the lack of it, but the person is only concerned about one thing, concerned about Allah Ta'ala be happy with me. That is the whole issue of the intention. And the deeper this intention will be, the stronger it will be, the purer it will be, the greater the benefit that will come out of that effort. That tree will grow bigger, it will spread its branches further, it will provide shade to many more, and it will export its fruit far out in the world. All this stems from the aspect of that intention. So whether we are performing salah, whether we are making tilawat of the Quran Sharif, whether we are studying deen, whether we are serving deen in some way, whether we are doing some khidmat for somebody, whatever it may be, we repeatedly check our intention. Whether we are assisting somebody in deen, we are correcting somebody, we are giving somebody some advice, somebody is doing something wrong, it might be some friend of ours, it might be somebody in our family, it might be our sister, our brother, it might be some uh, a relative of ours, whoever it might be, the person is doing something wrong, the person is engaging in something that is against the commands of Allah, in some sin. Now we need to correct that person, we need to advise that person, or we need to save the person from that harm. So we need to bring it to the attention of the person's seniors. So we have to keep checking what is the intention, why am I doing this, why am I saying it, what is the motive behind it, is the motive solely that this person may come away from the harm, this person may be saved from the harm, this person may come closer to Allah Ta'ala, then Alhamdulillah, we repeat that, recheck that intention, repeat it in our hearts several times, that this must be only for Allah Ta'ala. I must clear up all the motivations that could be there, which are not clear, which are impure, and then embark on that. Alhamdulillah, it's a tremendous action, but we embark on it after having checked our intention ten times and hundred times. And then we do that. Then we'll find the benefit, inshallah. So, the intention is something that we can never check enough. We can never be satisfied enough that our intention has now been cleared. We have to keep refreshing it, keep correcting it. And after the action is over, we still make istighfar upon it. One istighfar that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught, which was actually the istighfar of Hazrat Adam Ali Sallallahu Wasallam. اللهم إني استغفرك لما تبت إليك منه ثم عدت فيه. Allah, I make istighfar and I seek forgiveness for that action which I made sincere tawbah from, but then I fell back into it. Ya Allah, I'm repenting again. I'm making sincere tawbah and istighfar. Ya Allah, you keep me safe from it. And 
your bounty, your favor. And I broke your command with it. Subhanallah. What a thing that we've done. Astaghfirullah on it. That Allah Ta'ala's bounty and we used it to break Allah Ta'ala's command. Allah Ta'ala forgive us. And then the last one which is relevant to our discussion. وَأَسْتَغْفِرُكَ لِكُلِّ خَيْرٍ أَرَدْتُ بِهِ وَجْهَكَ فَخَالَتَنِي فِيهِ مَا لَيْسَلَكَ Ya Allah, I seek your forgiveness for every good action which I started for you and then some other intention crept in. Some other motivation came in between. Then again I started thinking about, I hope somebody else gets impressed. And I started thinking about the acknowledgement of others. Ya Allah, forgive me for that as well. So this is something that even after the action, we still check our intention. We still uh, make istighfar over it. And we ask Allah Taala's forgiveness. This is something that we have spoken about in terms of our deen. But this intention goes across the board. Sometimes we are saying something to somebody that uh, person did something. So we are advising the person in terms of maybe some family issue. Somebody with something with a neighbor. So what is our motivation? Why we are saying it? It is because I got an axe to grind with this person. If I wasn't upset with him or her, then I wouldn't have, wouldn't have said it also. I'm upset now. So now I got, I got a chance to get my own revenge back or to say my few words or as they say to give my two cents worth. So that my anger gets cooled. So that motivation, that is totally, is going, not going to bring any benefit. Many a times, we say, no, I wanted to just teach the person a lesson. But our intention was corrupted. Our intention was wrong. What lesson we ended up teaching, we just further increased the problem. Whereas when a person says something with true ikhlas, then it won't increase the problem. If it doesn't change immediately, it won't increase. That's a benefit of the class. But here, we went to, we said we're going to resolve the problem, we've merely increased it. Often, this is as a result of some other motivation having crept in. The wrong intention being there. So likewise, everything else, what we are doing, what we are saying, why we are saying it, why we are doing it, what is the underlying intention, what is the motive? We have to repeatedly check this, and to the extent we will inculcate this ikhlas, that foundation, we took the example of the root, the same thing about the foundation, that the deeper the foundation is, the higher the building can go. We see the sky, skyscrapers, 30 stories and 40 stories and 50 stories and Allah knows best how many stories they are going to. Such a long story already. The foundation of these buildings, go and see, it goes many, many stories deep underground. Many stories underground is going then it can go so far above the ground. And if the foundation is only half a meter deep, then you perhaps cannot even put a second story on it. With half, half a meter, maybe the second story will go. The third story probably is not good enough, depending on the ground conditions, etc. So the point is that we have to build this foundation of ikhlas. And to the extent that that will be built, then we will see the kind of benefit that we see from the Ahlullah. That how Allah Ta'ala put that benefit in their effort, in their work. 
So the object is only Allah Taala. The object is not to see anything around us also. Whether we see something or don't see it too is not the objective. The object is Allah Taala must become happy. There may be many, many people who didn't see the fruit of their efforts themselves at all. But it's there. Allah Ta'ala passed the benefit on to whoever he wanted to. But they didn't see anything. They quietly did their work and they moved on. So that too is not the objective, that we see something. No, we don't want to see anything too. That's not our objective. Allah Ta'ala shows it for whomever he shows it. That Allah Ta'ala's, um, that is his department. Our object is solely Allah Ta'ala must become happy. Then anybody acknowledges us, anybody praises us, anybody doesn't notice, all that must make no difference to us. Anybody said, MashaAllah, you scored very good marks. Somebody didn't say it. Neither way, that doesn't make any effort. Somebody started making some very great improvement in their day-to-day life. They started making big strides. They had some various habits maybe. They started giving all that up. But nobody somehow noticed also, or nobody even said, MashaAllah, one time, doesn't matter. That, that is a different thing that we should be encouraging one another. But if nobody said it, doesn't matter to us. We're doing it for Allah wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala is observing. Allah ta'ala is watching. Hazrat Khadi Azizul Hassan Majzub he once came to Tanabon where Hazrat Tanvi was. He was actually en route to some other point and en route was Tanabon. So he stopped at the station and he jumped out. He quickly rushed. He came to Tanabon but at that time it was the time for Hazrat to be engaged in his tafsir or either it was his resting time or whatever. So he only stood at a point where he just saw him and then he turned to leave because he couldn't wait too long for Hazrat to finish off with that job or that uh, from his aram and wake up because he had to catch the train. So somebody told him at least inform him that you are here. He said, no, no, not necessary. So he said, leave a message that you are here. He said, that too not necessary. I came... For Allah Ta'ala's sake. Allah Ta'ala has seen that I came for his sake to take one look at his wali and then to move on. Whether Hazrat comes to know or not, that is a different issue. Allah Ta'ala knows. And Allah Ta'ala will put that benefit of it. So this is the reality of that intention. That Allah Ta'ala is happy. Allah Ta'ala must become happy with us. Allah Ta'ala is observing. Then the rest of it doesn't matter to us. Allah Ta'ala grant us the genuine sincerity, the depth of ikhlas, Every action we do, everything we say, be solely for the pleasure of Allah wa Taala. No other motive must creep in. No other intention must creep in. Everything must be solely for His pleasure. And anybody's praise, anybody's criticism, that doesn't matter to us in any way. We keep looking. If somebody has praised us, that doesn't blow us up as a balloon in any way. If somebody has criticized us, then we look sincerely into the criticism. And if there's something for us to benefit out of it, something for us to take from it, then we wholeheartedly and happily, for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, that too again the intention, for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala alone, we take that criticism, and we adopt the lesson that is there. And if there is something that doesn't apply to us, we leave it to Allah Ta'ala, we don't get involved in it. This too is part of that ikhlas. This too is part of the effects of the sincerity. But then the person says, well this doesn't matter to me, because it doesn't affect me, doesn't apply to me, but Leave it to Allah Ta'ala. This too is a requirement of the ikhlas. So therefore, this is something we have to keep de- developing within ourselves and we have to keep making an effort until death we have to carry on with this effort. There is no point where we can stop. This effort 
of trying to inculcate ikhlas within ourselves, we'll have to carry on till the last breath. Until Allah Ta'ala takes us with ikhlas and sincerity, with iman kamil, Allah Ta'ala take us and make us among His special servants. May Allah wa Ta'ala grant us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم ارزقنا إيمانا كاملا اللهم ارزقنا إخلاصا كاملا اللهم ارزقنا إخلاصا كاملا اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين